another day, another episode. This is Joe. Today is May 7th of the year 2020. And it's interesting, the weather has been pretty consistent here. Consistently nice. It's kind of odd. It's almost kind of deja vu-esque when I look outside because it, it feels like I was just doing this. So I was just making this episode. It's it's an odd sensation. Hard to describe. Kind of quick side note that brings up an interesting um, thought that that when we're on our journey, right? When we're on our quest, whatever that might be towards, when we are putting in the work day in, day out, There's no applause. There's no congratulations. When you're in the suck, that is where things are made and life happens. You realize that everything that we see, at least in the public eye, is a product of many, many hours and a lot of failures. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't see. A perfect example of this is movies, right? We only see the final product. We don't see the hours spent by the actors acting out scenes, directors relaying information, sound people creating the soundtrack, editors editing scenes, All these various components behind the scenes we don't see. Next time you watch a movie and and get to the end, look at that list, all those names of the editors and the producers and the actors and um, the stylists. The list goes on. All those people spent time. All those people devoted time towards that product you just watched in two hours. But how many thousands of man hours was spent to produce those two hours? It's an interesting thing to think of. Moving on.
today. Let's see. Let's, let's start by reviewing what happened yesterday. So it kind of a good note. I want to be sure to give a small pat on my back, I guess. I got, I heard back from a company I reached out to. And the strategy I'm taking when it comes to my job search is I'm avoiding job boards, except to get potential job openings. When you look at this strategy, it's more, when you look at that strategy, right? There is relatively low cost to applying to a job. But when you realize that hundreds, if not thousands of other people have already submitted their application, you realize that even though it's small cost, it's basically a waste of time. Additionally, what's working against you in a lot of cases is that there are a lot of smart people, very smart people, who on paper are better than you. I mean, objectively speaking, when somebody, when I show my resume to somebody, let's say Recruiter X, right? When they see my resume, and they compare it to somebody who has a master's or a PhD and, you know, research experience or internship experience. Mine is going to be quickly thrown aside. So knowing this, knowing that one, I'm going to be lost in the noise of all the resumes. And two, my paper credentials don't particularly stand out. Where can I, what, what direction can I go as a workaround? And one strategy that seems promising is kind of taps into the skills that I do have as well from when I was working sales at Oracle. That is writing. I do believe that my writing skills are a little above average at least. And it allows me to relay information that might, that is otherwise unknown to the company. I can tell them that I've used their product. I can tell them why I'm interested, why their mission resonates with me. 
sure, this isn't going to work all the time. Probably won't even work half the time. But this, the percentage of responses I'll receive is going to be significantly higher than the responses I'll get from just blindly applying on job boards. So that being said, kind of a little background on the job search there, but nonetheless exciting. Uh, in regards to my project, my Sharpest Minds project, um, let's see, where did we leave off? So yesterday, continue to study Andrew Ng's intro to ML. Um, finished a uh, some lessons on bias and variance and how to detect those in an ML model and how regularization can affect that or the role that it plays in those as well and the trade-offs that you get. Additionally, was able to put together a script, the second version of the data ingestion Python script that not only downloaded data from the 3rd of May, that was kind of my test day, but it cleaned it as well. So it was able to clean the data or backtrack. It was able to clean the text IDs then gather from via Twark those tweet IDs, hydrate um, the data into a JSON file, which is the raw data. And then it was able to uh, clean this JSON into a more appropriate format or a cleaner format and upload the raw data to a storage bucket, compress a copy of the JSON in my uh, repository, in the, the data portion of my repository. That way it, it still is technically available, but is not bring, taking up as much space. And then it stores the clean data in my process dailies folder. So everything seems to be working out there. Um, one thing that's now I need to consider is I was running this from my more expensive instance and my preemptible was more expensive because it has contains more memory. It's a high memory instance, but it's also preemptible. So I need to figure out exactly, exactly how much compute power I need and memory I need to be able to adequately do this on a cheaper instance. Um, that'll be probably take some experimentation. I don't know if the other instance that I had can do this. Um, additionally, I will need to wait at least until I, um, merge this branch, which I've called narratives, uh, merge the narratives branch with the master branch. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's version control, GitHub version control. Um, so basically the narratives branch has all my weekly updates. And then at the end of the week, um, when I meet with my mentor, we will 
usually pull that or issue a pull request and merge that branch, so the narratives branch, back into the master. And then, that being said, once that is merged, so once the narratives branch is merged, then we can start, or then we can set it up for the other instance. Because how it works is, oh, I need to make that available then. Or I could just store it. So I'll clone it and then um, keep it up to date with master and it will keep, um, and then I'll have to slightly change it a little bit. So it'll store the pickle or the clean files and the raw files in a storage bucket. So there's a few slight tweaks I'll need to make. And then that actually provides an opportunity to create uh, or add to the utils Python script um, downloading a blob because to get the data, then if we decide to do that, where the raw data and the clean data are both in the storage bucket, we need to be able to pull that data to the compute instance. So they'll need to look into that as well. Um, okay, so we've done V2 of data ingestion. Now we need to uh, get to the next subject, which is the narratives, which was actually interesting. It was really interesting, actually. And I think uh, what we can do here is actually go through the narratives and see what's going on. So I'm going to, let's see, what's the best way to approach this? So the spreadsheet that I have now compiles, these are the columns, has the narrative, a brief description of the narrative, um, priority, which I actually need to change to high, low, or high, medium, low. And then it's going to have, it has two category columns. So category one, category two, um, these are largely what the narrative or what the idea of the narrative, right? So for example, um, the U.S. biological weapon narrative, um, the narrative that COVID-19 was a biological weapon created by the United States, um, that is a conspiracy theory. That's the category it is under. Some of these do not fall under just one category, though. Um, they do fall under multiple, but um, to keep things a little bit on the simple, at least for this first iteration, um, two categories will suffice. As most are just limited to one, but there are a few that have multiple or can be attributed to multiple. Then there is also, we need to look at region specific. So some narratives are more um, attuned to a specific region, um, like the, for example, there is some narratives, anti-Semitic narratives going around, and those tend to be primarily in the, originating in the Middle East. However, it should be noted that they aren't um, even region-specific ones due to the international nature of technology and Twitter, 
some of these narratives can bleed over into other regions. So back to the anti-Semitic narrative, um, there has been instances, even though it's primarily been originating in the Middle East, there have been instances, um, for example, in the UK of far-right groups. Um, oh, wait, no, that's anti-Muslim. Uh, yeah, so actually backtrack here. So there's both anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim narratives um, around COVID-19. Um, misinformation around COVID-19 that is the narrative is either anti-Semitic or anti-Muslim. Um, so anti-Semitic, uh, some of the claims include that the virus was created by Israel um, or in Israel and the United States were cooperating and they created the virus. And then there's also an anti-Muslim narrative that um, Muslims are being blamed for spreading the infection and other claims include them, them selling, uh, I hate, I use them, that's not, that Muslims are using or are selling contaminated food. And these claims are, the anti-Muslim narratives, these claims are largely being made uh, from what I saw in India, actually, but there are instances of like a bleeding effect, I guess you could say, where um, due to the nature of social media, Twitter primarily, um, these narratives can bleed over into other areas. So the anti-Muslim narratives are now being used um, by far-right groups in the UK and who are blaming Muslims for the outbreak and also falsely claiming that mosques remained open after the national ban on lab, large gatherings in the UK. So those are, I mean, those are actually two of the three that I kind of went in depth yesterday, but uh, some other narratives include um, that this was a bioengineered virus, i.e. that it was man-made. Um, this kind of goes, it can be kind of linked in a way, but there's another narrative is uh, that it was a biological weapon created by the Chinese, uh, which actually, as I previously mentioned, has in a way been countered that it was a U.S. biological weapon that was brought to China. Um, there's also conspiracy theories about populate that it, this is a population control scheme and even a claim that it is a spy, that this virus was the result of a spy operation that Chinese agents in Canada stole it from a Canadian lab and brought it back to China. Um, others um, include 5G causing COVID-19. Um, so these are kind of more, I guess, like I said, conspiratorial. And these are going to be more, in my opinion, at least, going to be more inflammatory. They're going to cause a little bit more division, uh, going to cause more ruckus, um, especially when you consider the media likes, has a tendency, today's media environment is largely dictated by an ability to gain readership or an audience. And 
stories like this, stories like 5G and people who believe in a conspiracy theory like this are going to attract attention, particularly from those within the media. And in effect, what the media is doing by reporting on these is, or for when we look at the social media example on Twitter, right? What they're doing is if in effect amplifying the message so that more people hear about it, which is the exact opposite of what you want when it comes to a conspiracy theory. You don't want more people knowing. Um, it's the more people that know, the more likely it is to affect the minds of others. So that actually reminds me of an article that my mentor just shared about uh, doctors who are having to deal with not only this pandemic, who and they're being at the front lines of the pandemic, but also being questioned by these conspiracy theorists, being questioned not only of the legitimacy of this event, but also of their own credentials. There's a questioning of expertise. And there's a deterioration of trust in expertise. And I think this kind of, I, I need to continue with this train of thought a little bit, keep going down this rabbit hole. Because when, when you look at what is going on, and I'll use the United States as an example, because this is the area or the region I'm most familiar with. And you see almost this slow moving train wreck that is going on in our information space. When you see the conspiratorial thinking that's going on, that's happening. And, and now that I, th I think about it, it's like I should have recognized this a lot sooner. A lot sooner. I remember there was an instance when I was back in college and I was visiting home. Or I was back, I, I was back home for a few weeks. And I went to the gym and I saw the father of one of my childhood friends and we started chatting. And rather quickly, my father's, my father's, uh, or my friend's father started to go into, and this was back before, this was still when Obama was president, but it was 
I think in his last two years. I think I think this was 2014. Right around that time, 2013 or 2014. And rather quickly, he kind of went into these conspiracies surrounding Obama. And I can remember just kind of laughing it off, how ridiculous he sounded. I listened out of respect, but... And when I look back on that, you kind of recognize that how vulnerable we are to this, to bad information. And I don't, there's the thing that I believe that a lot of people get incorrect is Or I, I think where they go, I mean, a lot of people get frustrated is how, how come people believe this stuff and how do how does fact just crumple before them? How, how, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, do, do people hold on to these beliefs? And that is, that's something that is incredibly fascinating. Because this is not, when you think of conspiracy theorists, this is something that a, a f- affects every single individual on earth right now. And that is identity, right? So we live in a very complex world. I mean, we, we've always lived in a complex world um, for as long as, I mean, for our entire existence. The world is a complex place. Even when you subtract everything that, modern about it right when you subtract when you just have earth itself kind of in its primordial form before any significant civilization it still is a highly complex environment and then you lay on top of that the complexity that we've in in effect induced into the environment with technology and this is not to i'm a technologist in respect of I believe that technology has made things better, but I also understand that increased complexity can have unforeseen consequences. And we are encountering that right now. And it's kind of, it's been underlying society for a while now is these kind of conspiracies of people trying to make sense of a complex world. And we need to take a step back and be as objective as possible, right? And in effect, people that are looking into this to researching and one kind of hypothesis that I had earlier today was 
we need to understand these communities better than they understand themselves. That means being involved with them in, in some sense, researching them, monitoring them. Because that's how in effect, in effect it's, it's almost a war of information, right? And in war, you need to understand your enemy. And the enemy isn't the people. It's not us versus them. This is a war against bad information. To, but we need to understand the information. This is something that I need to continue to think about. There's, this is in no sense a finished thought. But I'm getting glad we're at about 29 minutes now. So I'm going to cut myself short a little bit today. I'll need to make note. I need to continue that train of thought. Um, because I think when you look at technology and you think of, like, for me, the technological perspective, machine learning, right? This isn't a machine. This isn't necessarily just a machine learning problem. It can't be solved just with machine learning. There needs to be other facets of understanding. There needs to be an understanding of psychology, of design, of machine learning, of identity, of the information environment. There's a lot of factors at play. It is a highly complex system, highly complex puzzle, and one that I think that it will hopefully, I'm hoping I can solve. So that's going to be it for today. Till next time, auf Wiedersehen.